Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And this is our pre-boarding a flight to go to Portugal show that uh, we're recording here on April 22nd. But it'll publish on May 5th after we're already back. Right. Because time shifting is hard. But we're also got plans for recording a whole bunch of shows while we're at NDC Porto. Yeah. And then we're back for a week and then NDC London. Yes. And then uh, we're going to DevSum in Stockholm, right? Yeah. But we're also going to Copenhagen in between that because why wouldn't Because why wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, we're going to Copenhagen, then DevSum, and then you're going on to Techrama and I'm then coming to Techrama. That's right. But yeah. I mean, you missed the most important thing, which is on stage, NDC London, episode 1800. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you believe it? No, no, really can't. That's I really a lot can't, of shows. can't either. <laughs> <laughs> I heard this great tagline on an NPR show, and I can't remember what it was, but it said, such and such a show is produced by talking into microphones. Yes, most shows are. <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, that's what we do. We talk into microphones. Yeah, there's also this, I, the whole recorded live thing is interesting too, like as opposed to recorded dead. Like I, I yeah. don't know what, what any of that means. That's an old .NET Rocks joke. We used to go live when it wasn't. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. It's not hey, Sparky, live anyway. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's live. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Well, let's get this party started with a little thing that we call Better Know a Framework. All right, buddy. What do you got? I have a blog post uh, from September 2020 hmm. from, it looks like, Hoeo. I'm not sure how to pronounce your first name. Uh, it's J-O-A with a tilde O, Manuel Gomez. And it's it's cool. It's just something that we all should know, you know, but maybe some of us don't who do web applications. Right. And it's basically called Secure HTTP only same site HTTP cookies attributes and set cookie explained. Nice. Yeah, and so the browsers are always changing how they handle cookies and um, and the things that they are doing. So you need to keep up with this stuff. But the conclusion at the bottom of this is you there are attributes that you can use on the cookie, right? And these three that he's talking about are to mitigate certain attacks. Right. So the conclusion is, A, don't store sensitive data in a cookie unless required. Duh. <laughs> don't do that. That's bad. Um, use HTTP only to mitigate cross-site scripting attacks. Use same site to mitigate cross-site request forgery attacks. Mm -hmm. And use secure to mitigate man-in-the-middle attacks. And he says, at the moment, modern browsers support these attributes, and every web developer should be aware of them and use them. I'm sure you talked about this on your security show recently, but the whole hijacking of tokens thing is huge. Uh, Discord's yeah. undergoing a, an attack right now where, I mean, get this. Somebody you probably don't know, if you're in Discord, can send you an image that isn't preloaded. Like, it'll just mm -hmm. show as the image you need to load and say, and they'll say something like, hey, can you check this image for me? Mm -hmm. When you click on that, it you, the process of you requesting that image actually gives them enough information to hijack your Discord token it's crazy. and take over your account. Crazy. So, yeah. 
This is what makes us insane, you know, when your when your mother calls you up and says, well, what does it mean your system has been infected? And I clicked, and now it seems worse than it was before. And you're like, <laughs> no. <sighs> yeah, I know. The it, the internet, is, in a lot of ways, the web's getting more and more hostile. You know, they, the, they, the bad actors are acting badly. And, you know, the people are going to blame the programmers if something happens. So yeah. you got to know this stuff. Yeah, it's really not optional these days. No yep. question about it. Well, that's what I got. Who's talking to us, Richard? Wow, that's a great question. I know I got <laughs> Deserving a of an excellent okay. answer. An excellent answer. <laughs> if only I knew. <laughs> Grab the comment off of show 1732, the one we did with one Mads Christensen. Maybe you've heard of him. We were talking about Visual Studio and the feedback system, like how we've yeah. got new features and people complaining about how things behave and so forth um, from mm -hmm. about a year ago, March 2021. And uh, lots of good comments on that show, actually, uh, Mads. You should go through this some, at some point because uh, people were asking all kinds of cool questions. This one's from Aaron who says, Mads has a Visual Studio extension YouTube channel? Subscribed. So long as the YouTube <laughs> algorithm keeps showing me videos I've already watched and not new content like this gem, I'm not worried about the singularity. Oh, okay. That's a good answer. Uh, Very good. The add new file, parentheses, Mads, is one of my favorite extensions. It's just beaten by one I use more often, select next occurrence. A productivity godsend from Thomas Whelan. This was a good episode for me and a reminder to stay in my own lane on user workflows. Everyone has different work styles and baggage from harsh lessons learned in years gone by. Remember that line I used to use that maybe the scars you have are actually holding you back, right? Mm -hmm. You can call them wisdom if you want. No, I um, used to call them old pain. Yes. You know, you got to forget old pain. It's Shake old. Shake off the old pain. It it's doesn't old. matter anymore. Yeah, it's, and it's probably changed. Who still saves all files before performing a build? Uh, yeah, me. <laughs> I watch a coworker do this, and then Mad says, select build from menu bar. Uh, I no longer suggest keyboard shortcuts on the sample data here. 70% of senior developers don't use them. Most common reason, I can't remember all those shortcuts. And I push back on Richard's suggestion that key customization is a bad idea. Syncing keyboard shortcuts between Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio has been very helpful for me. Wait, yeah. everyone has different views and thoughts on what's useful or not. So we've all gotten a little meta now. But dude, I think that's a super legit reason to do customization, so that you so that you have one set of reflexes that works in the two tools. I love that. Yep. And the problem is, is you have to set up your environment every time. Every time. So make yep. sure you get a template. Keep those files. Make it part of your box install. Like do it every time. Because when you hit the wrong key and something unexpected happens and your printer starts going crazy, spitting out pages, you're like. Ugh! Oh, no. And and like the shortcut chains you have memorized, it's like nine keystrokes. And when you haven't applied yeah. it, it does something. It's like, wow, this is a state of the machine I've never seen before. How did these displays change position? <laughs> I, I have customers that I watch and pair program with yeah. that still right click, go to definition instead of hitting F12. I'm like, you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> And Aaron wraps up by saying, I think Mad's suggestion of marrying extension developers with Visual Studio users is good. And we should could see a new era of Visual Studio personalization on the horizon, given how popular extensions in Visual Studio Code have been for its adoption and breadth of use. Wow. Yeah, legit, mm -hmm. huh? I just it's thought coming. 
I wanted to give you a little love there, Mads, because I, yeah. I thought this was an awesome comment. Hey, Aaron, thanks so much for your comment. And a copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell and I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet and use the Twitter extension because otherwise Mads won't get it. Nice. <laughs> All right. So uh I guess wow. that brings us to Mads. Let's uh let's uh introduce him formally. Mads Christensen has been on the show many times, of course, and he's a program manager on the Visual Studio team at Microsoft with the privilege to work with the extension community and ecosystem. He's an avid extension writer himself with over a hundred published extensions to the Visual Studio Marketplace. I got a feeling that number has changed. It's hundred and seventy something. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Before joining Microsoft, he uh, spent a decade as a web developer working at both startups and enterprise companies. His wife and two young sons all enjoy and support his adventures in the world of home automation. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. You and Richard oh, yeah. are both in that uh, yeah, yeah. home automation stuff. I'm still knee deep in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Great to have you back, man. Yeah, great. I really enjoyed that. those uh, those comments, uh, the keyboard shortcuts, and and like and and the fact that people were like realizing or or agreeing with like everyone is different and everyone has different history that makes their approach to development in Visual Studio or whatever tool they use unique yeah. to them. And it's it's kind of it's interesting because I tweeted the other day I wanted to do an experiment. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say what happens if you ask people kind of just. For no good reason, like what feature would you add to Visual Studio? Right. And I it got four hundred replies. Wow. And and so this is just my Twitter account. I have like thirty thousand people following that account. Right. And they're they're predominantly, I think, like web developers and then Visual Studio extenders. I think there's it's biased to those groups of developers, but I think right. there's also general a lot of general Visual Studio users. But I would have expected a lot of web-related features and a lot of extensibility-related features. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it was all over the map. There was hardly any duplicates. Wow. So you, you got not only 400 replies, but almost mm -hmm. 400 different replies. And how many yes. of them have you, had you already implemented as extensions? <laughs> some of them already exist, and some of them re re ask for features that either we just shipped or that we will soon. So some of the right. things I yeah. couldn't actually say yeah. that, oh, it's coming yeah, soon, but tough. some I could, yeah. Uh, I remember, um, I remember uh, watching. Was it Kathleen Dollard? It was somebody like that doing a session on tips and tricks in Studio, and somebody going and he's showing off a feature, and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that's now been implemented. I've been wanting that for years." It's like, yeah, that was implemented in twenty ten. Yeah, this happens all the time. Well, it's because well, there's so uh, much stuff stashed in there, right? It's hard yeah. to find things. It's 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 an overwhelming. Here's what I suggest that we have a, a national Visual Studio Extensions Day mm -hmm. or an international nice. Visual Studio Extensions Day where everybody takes two hours to figure out how they can make themselves more productive with the stuff that's already there. Yeah. And the extensions. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, I, did a, I did a survey at the Build 2018, I think it was, or 19. It was one of those... That was in person. Remember those mm -hmm. days? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I asked people like, why do you use extensions or why don't you, you know, depending on 
your, your usage of extensions or not. Mm -hmm. And the reason, the most common reason people did not use extensions was that they didn't know what was available on the marketplace yeah. and they didn't take the time to kind of investigate and figure it out because they felt like if they if they did that and they went, how do they know that something is a good quality, high quality extension? Right. I mean, you can tell maybe by the number of downloads, the number of installs, the number of high, you know, highest rating and how old is it? How often is it maintained? All that mm -hmm. information is actually available on the marketplace. But that was the main reason. And so I think um, I think that would be a fantastic thing to kind of introduce more people to extensions. And I, I hope we can do that through suggested extensions, which it looks like we might be able to do a little progress on that front. Mm -hmm. Finally, in Visual Studio, that we actually proactively will suggest you extensions based on uh, like your that. behavior in Visual mm -hmm. Studio. Yeah. yeah. It's a long time coming. I've been fighting for that one for a long time. And it's not... It's not set so. This is something I talked about with the other Mads too. It's like the side effect of having a effectively twenty year old product, whether you talk about .NET or Studio, although arguably Studio is older, it's twenty five years old. Is like how do you not be buried in the cruft? Mm. You know, yeah. from a language perspective, when we were talking to Torgensen, um, it was you know you've never taken away a feature from C Sharp because you'll break code. You keep adding new ones. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get steer people to the quote right way? And it's all about the tooling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? yeah. Right. And I think the same thing for using features in studio, like the idea that you could watch how we're using studio and gently suggest here's an, here's a fewer keystroke workflow. Here's an easier way to do that. I think that's a really interesting idea to do well. We have plenty of examples of doing that poorly. See mm -hmm. Clippy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that it it's uh, it's kind of an interesting one and it's also when when we do these user studies we have people in the lab and we you know track their eye movements and how they move their mouse around and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh it's very very interesting to see how they perform the same task in very different ways. Right. Um and I don't know if we talked about that the last time like um one thing that like surprised me a lot was the way you build your solution. Let's say you have a single console app, you know, one mm -hmm. project solution and mm -hmm. you want to build it. There's there are several different ways you can do to build it. You can, sure. maybe you want to run it. So you hit F5. Yeah. Um, but actually, let's say you just want to build, you don't want to run it. So you, you, what I do is I hit control shift B. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the keyboard shortcut for that. What we learned, and I thought everyone did that mm -hmm. because you do that so many times a day, right? Yeah. That you well, need, you that's do. one of the keyboard shortcuts you have to learn to be more productive. Mm. But it was very, very common that people would either right-click the project in Solution Explorer and hit build there, mm -hmm. or to my big surprise, would go up to the top-level menu and find the build from up there. Sure. I, I had no idea that this was as prevalent as it was. Which, by the way, beside that menu item, it says Control-Shift-B. Yeah, <laughs> right? it does. It's right there. I got a story for you. I recently started using the command line build, but only when I find that the reporting from the debugger isn't covering the, the issue. And that happens sometimes. The specific time that it happened for me was when I was creating a Blazor application. And I, was, I, I installed a package. The package didn't work for me, so I wanted to remove it. So I just went to all the places and removed it, and I built it. And, and all of a sudden, it couldn't build, and I didn't get an error that was useful. Mm. So knowing that I can go to the command line, I dropped out and I said .NET build, 
And I found that in the underscore imports razor where you have using statements, there were using statements to namespaces that didn't exist anymore. But oh. the but Visual Studio wasn't smart enough to report that to me at the time. And I had to find out by dropping to a hmm. command line and running build. Were you using like a preview version of no. something at that point? Nope. Because I, sometimes, you know, you have a your CLI version is higher than your Visual Studio version. And so there might be some things that haven't been implemented in the Visual Studio yet or vice versa. No, this was all, you know, long-term support.NET 6. Huh. Yeah, okay. It's a real problem. But um, yeah. but it's just it just goes to show you that you know there's always a way to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And everyone and everyone looks at it differently. And it's, I feel that that's super interesting. Uh, we used to have you know on on the walls of Building 18, we had these pictures of real people, like these personas. So we made up these real people so that we would like design features to, and we had names and and whole biographies. Is that Elvis and Mort and those guys, or are we beyond that? No, no, no. It was, no, no. It was like real name, okay. right? So it was. It would be like yeah, Joe and Jane and all. Okay. And and then what roles do they have in a company? What type of company do they work mm -hmm. in? What's their educational level? So on and so forth. So you kind of got to know these people. And so the idea was that when you design a feature, you would keep those people in mind, so that you would like be better at at you know targeting your feature to all of them and no, don't miss certain scenarios that might be important to some of these people right mm. and, and so that was that was kind of, that was fun and it made it made sense but what we learned since is that everyone is so different and it's really really hard there's there's hardly two people with the same need for customization in visual studio mm. we're all unique um so even among like super like extension developers like there's they're all different because no one does extensions and nothing but extensions, right? Mm, you right. also do like WPF and then you do Maui. You do a little bit of web here and there. Mm. You might do some C++ gaming or Unity in your spare time, or you might have done other things in the past that you still have to maintain, you know, and the list goes on and on. So no one is the same as someone else in Visual Studio. And so the whole notion of having these personas as kind of buckets of users, you could, you could, Put like you could divide your millions of users into like let's say three or five buckets. Mm -hmm. um, it's just you can't. There's no way. No one ever fits into those. Uh, th th then the categories become so broad that they become meaningless. Mm -hmm. Like if you if you if you deduce everyone to like one of five things, right? Uh, that that just doesn't work. Yeah. Right. It's and and if you have enough buckets to even be ro remotely representative, it's so many. It's yeah. not helping you anyway. So really, that whole metaphor, that entire approach, isn't working for you. No, and it's and it's grown right because now all of a sudden there's IoT developers and and AI and machine learning and mm. data scientists and and you know the the list is longer now than it was ten years ago. Sure, you can be more things using Visual Studio than you could in the past. Um, so it's like it's a never ending <laughs> problem. Are there workspaces? Like layouts in, in Visual Studio, I haven't checked, but I know that like in the Adobe products, Premiere, for example, you can do have a workspace that the layout is good for editing and another one is good for mm. effects and another one is good for, but whatever. Um, but I find that I don't need that in Visual Studio because code is code. You know, you have classes and you have code and properties and you have solutions and... Um, so, but you know what you also got? So, Carl, you've been using Visual Studio for 
40, 50 yeah. years, right? <laughs> and yeah. so your all your settings, all your customizations that you've done over the years, they're all synced with your Microsoft account. So right, whenever right. you install a fresh version of Visual Studio, you sign in mm. and your theme and your window layout and everything yep. com comes back. So for us that have used Visual Studio before, we don't really think about this anymore. But if you're brand new to Visual Studio, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I don't know if you remember back back in the day, uh, before you signed into Visual Studio in the as part of installation, mm -hmm. you would pick your profile. Are you a C sharp developer or a right. web developer or C plus plus? Yep. And that actually affected the some of the window layout and what toolbars were visible. But mm -hmm. it was it was kind of a very crude uh low resolution type of uh, adjustments made on on your profile because right. what if I'm a if I'm a ASP.net developer am I a web developer or a C sharp developer yeah that's it was a really bad choice like either regardless of which one I chose I felt like chose the wrong one yeah, yeah. I mean it's mm. you're so, almost guaranteeing like people being upset because what did I miss yeah. yes. choosing this over that yeah right but I, I like the idea, and it, it would actually be easy to do because we have we have the notion of of like saved Windows layouts, mm. so you can like you can save everything in a different location and save it under a name, and you can switch between the different ones uh, using keyboard shortcuts. So yeah. it would be kind of an easy thing to do, and like just come with some built in, and then ask you in the beginning, hey, do you I'm, want this or that? I'm just trying to think of use cases like you know, would an IoT developer want a different layout than, uh, you know a console app or web or blazer developer or whatever um i think if you're a web developer you might not care for certain tool windows that have to do with uh native development let's say right or if you're not a, a but but you might want to have the task runner explorer running mm. to see your gulp tasks and your webpack and yeah. npm scripts running right but you, that's a scenario for web development so when you're mm. so when you have that hat on you might want that layout but when you then sense. write an extension for Visual Studio, so I'm describing me here, right? Yeah, you don't <laughs> right. want any of that stuff. Uh, I don't want that, but I do want another some other uh, tool windows visible that I use all the time for extension development. Mm. And so for me, it's actually that is it's, it's between the different hats I wear during a day or a week and not so much what type of role I have in my company. Uh, yeah, I could also see like toolbar section visibility. You know, I always yep. want to have, you know, the comment and uncomment there. But I might not mm -hmm. want to have like all the runners and the task runners and the debug things for certain things. Yeah, that's that's yeah. an interesting idea. And I use my default. Uh, my default Windows layout is basically only have Visual uh, Solution Explorer mm. visible. Yeah. So right. error list and output window they're collapsed, so they're still there, but they're collapsed by default. And so that actually improves performance of Visual Studio starting up quite significantly. You know, now that you say this, um, mm -hmm. I always have the property window under the solution explorer window, but I noticed mm -hmm. that since I got away from Windows Forms years ago, I don't use it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> sitting there. It feels <laughs> weird when it's not there, but it's... Yeah, you know, what, what, but come to think of it, when's the last time I used that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when I'm setting I, a file, you know, to output, copy to output, that's about it. Mm -hmm. Or getting a connection string. Yep, that's the same, re same reason I use it, yeah. But you know where I, I, I think I found out the best place for the property grid, for the properties window. So I have it hidden. It's not even visible. So you know when you hit F4, mm -hmm. it opens the properties tool window? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have it docked on the left hand. So my, my solution explorer is docked to the right hand side of my screen. Mm -hmm. By the, that's so the default. I think. Well, it was from, from my profile back when I set that up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. old people. Point. That's the default. <laughs> yes. And um, and so what I have when you hit F4, the tool window becomes visible and it's docked 
now it take, takes up the room to the just to the left of Solution Explorer. And so it makes my documents, my coded documents, a little bit smaller. Uh, but that's yeah. fine because I'm that's all I'm, I'm going to do is like change one thing and then I'm closing that window and again. Put it away again, yeah. So next time I open it, it opens the same place. Right. I like that. Because I only use it like once every two weeks or something. That's yeah. really smart. But the idea is it slides out, you do the thing, and slides away again. My solutions are growing, so I need more room in the Solution Explorer. I need the full <laughs> height. Why do yeah. I have the properties when it's just an old habit? Yeah. Have you thought of getting a monitor you can, like, stand up? Oh, no. I have a I have the killer, killer monitor, mm-hmm. as we say okay. in the Northeast. Because that, that is something I'm, I'm getting an ultra-wide, mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. soon. You could do the 49-inch, the giant one. Oh, no, I can't fit that. I have like my little, uh, uh, in my garage here, I have a very little space. What do I have You need here? a bigger like garage, maybe... Mads. Yeah, I it's the garage. The garage is wrong. <laughs> the garage, it's the garage's fault. I got, I'm guessing like f- not even four feet. Right. Wow. What I have. So I can get like, so it's a 34 inch. Mm-hmm. That's what I can fit. That's that's plenty. Yeah. So it's not ultra, ultra, ultra. It's just one yeah, one. The, 40, the 49 is the most extreme. It's not actually 49 inches wide, right? It's 49 inches in the diagonal. diagonal. So right. Yeah. I think it's 42 wide, which is still big. Like that's the point where you are scanning back and forth. The only problem is like when you go to share your screen, like on a Zoom call and somebody's on a little screen and they're like, whoa, I can't see anything. <laughs> so I actually wrote this little tool, little console app that will um, list all of the applications that are running and give you letters. And when you push the letter for the application, it resizes the window to 10, 1080p. So oh, then nice. I can just share that window. The problem is if it's Visual Studio and you're running web stuff and the browser comes up, now you can't see the browser. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's always my problem with that. So I, I haven't figured out how I'm going to solve that with Teams. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the 49-inch widescreen is 47 inches across. So yeah. right. that is a full four feet. A, That's a beast. A, I don't think I can run that from my laptop. It's 120 no, centimeters. It's 3840 by 1080. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, yeah. yeah. I've got yeah, a I, I've got a four a 43-inch 4K, and it's the first screen so big I don't really want for other screens, uh, mm-hmm. and I actually don't maximize studio on it. Mm-hmm. Because right. the menu's so far away at that point. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, my solution to the, mm. to the sharing problem, Carl, is that the machine that I do sharing on has a 1080p screen plugged into it, too. So if yeah. I, I only share the 1080p screen. Yeah, I have actually a 1080 monitor right above this monitor. But the, the, the problem is if I'm sharing on it, then I have to go to the chiropractor the next day. <laughs> I have an extension for Visual Studio that puts I'm, Visual Studio into like a presenter mode. So it changes the theme to blue. It it, it resizes the window to 1080. Of course you do. And it sets the font size and stuff like that. That's so that, great. You know, for, for team meetings and for like if you want to do a video tutorial or something like that. You know, come to think so, of it, somebody at the Dev Intersection workshop that I did for you, Richard, mm-hmm. somebody said, hey, you should get Matt's presentation mode plug-in. And I'm like, uh, what? I didn't even know what. what? Yeah, so. That might be a different one. So I, ha- so, <laughs> so I have another more than one presenter. Of course he does. I got there's two. There's so there's the easy one, the one I just described. Then they have one that is part of an extension called Tweaks. That basically, I think we talked about that last time, which is a bunch of small little features that has all been requested by Visual Studio users Mm -hmm. uh, that I've rolled into one extension. And so one of them is to have a way to to run a presentation mode, but that's not really what it does. Mm. 
it create Visual Studio has this very very interesting capability that no one uses or knows about, which is you can create different instances of Visual Studio that runs in its own hive in the registry hmm. and the extension and it doesn't have the extensions installed that you have in other places and it doesn't have the settings so you can have you can run different versions if you will it's the same version of visual studio like 2022 like 2022 you know update 3 or whatever but multiple different unique instances of it and it's 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 well documented there's a it's you've been able to do that since at least 2010 i think and it's it's called root suffix so the only way you can do that if you go to the command line and you start visual studio with a parameter on it and so what i did is that i in in the jump list in windows so when you right click the visual studio logo or icon down in the taskbar the jump lists come up it now says presentation mode so it now is able to just trigger visual studio into one of these root suffixes called demo and so any changes you make in there to font sizes and all this sort of stuff is unique to that. And you can always get back to it, but it won't like contaminate your regular Visual Studio version, mm. right? So so it's not really presentation mode because you have to set up all those different uh, things you need for presentation purposes. But the idea is that it's an isolated kind of thing. So I have a prediction that in the future, some future version of Windows we'll be able to create a deployment for a Windows application that ships with its own registry. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, Visual Studio, ships with its, Visual Studio ships with its own registry. Do you I, know that? Well, yeah, I mean, and you have registry entries that you'll make, but no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't go into the Windows registry. registry. Really? So yeah. Visual yeah. Studio ships with its own registry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. All right, so there so you what, go. So what happened I, was... I suggested it that, in farce, and in <laughs> fact, it's real. It exists. Yeah. Yeah. What happened was like years ago, uh, Visual Studio used to store so many registry keys in the Windows registry that it just made everything slower. Right. <laughs> so the Windows registry is basically a database, right? Sure. And so it had so many entries in it that, you know, everything else took longer to to find their keys and whatnot. Right. So, and then Visual Studio was that you were able to install Visual Studio side by side, multiple different versions. Mm-hmm. So now, so now the problem expands, right? Yeah. Proportionally to how many installs you've got. Right. So what they did was they, they, the engineers took and, and they intercepted all registry reads and writes that you would do as an extender, for instance. Mm-hmm. And they would intercept that and they would now funnel that into a, binary file on disk down in the local app data, Microsoft, Visual Studio, blah, blah, blah. That's like probably really fast binary data. Yeah. Yep. Binary that's read up uh, in memory and it's super easy to access, right? But now it's isolated. Hmm. So didn't they call it like the private hive? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I always thought the registry was a bad idea. And then, of course, you know, it got clobbered and you'd have RegClean and all these other things. It just seemed like such a nightmare. Bring back the INI file, he said. No, no, <laughs> no. And gentlemen, I have to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Spot by NetApp. Spot provides a comprehensive suite of cloud ops tools that makes it easy to deliver continuously optimized and reliable infrastructure at the lowest possible cost while removing a lot of the manual and time-consuming tasks out of managing cloud infrastructure at scale. Imagine automating your infrastructure to proactively meet the needs of your applications as opposed to reacting to the constantly changing needs of your applications and developers. 
Imagine leveraging the latest in machine learning and automation to scale your infrastructure using the most efficient mix of instances and pricing models, eliminating the risks of over-provisioning and expensive lock-in. Imagine running reliable applications, cutting cloud costs significantly, and making life easier for DevOps teams so they can focus on faster deployments, reliability, and a seamless user experience. From cost management to infrastructure automation, and CD to running serverless Spark on Kubernetes, Spot ensures you maximize your cloud investment. The end result is simply more cloud at less cost. Discover how the most innovative companies from cloud-native growth machines to forward-thinking enterprises are automating, simplifying, and optimizing their cloud infrastructure with Spot by NetApp. Check them out at spot.io rocks. That's spot.io rocks where you can find more information, request a demo, or give it a try by starting a free trial. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Yo, yo, yo. Talking to our friend Mads Christensen about all the extension goodness. And I did quickly dig out the link to your blog post about using Visual Studio in presentation mode. And also, which is a couple years old, and also your your fresh extension of presenter mode too. Nice. So there is a couple of different ways to take this on. But yeah, then you have that menu item of presenter mode. It does all those tweaks. We really should be using that when we're demoing presenter, you know, studio, anything in studio on stage. I'm going to try it in Portugal. That's a good idea. I wrote it to, I wrote it for internal use on the team. So whenever any of our, you know, the PMs on the team had to record a video or something like that or. Right. No virtual conferencing, they would just install that, and then they didn't have to know anything about like what font size. They just click the button and done. Off you go, yeah. But I was like, oh, I have you know maybe other people like that too. And it's and you you're not wrong. It's all that's always a true thing, right? But then you're also you know if my wife finds out, it's like you didn't need to buy that monitor. You just had an extension. It would have been fine. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. I I really did need to buy that monitor. I really did. You remember you know that? You, can uh, do? you remember we were talking before the show, Richard, that I said I was having an audio problem at the studio, yeah. and I was getting ready to buy a machine. And I came home from the session, and I said, "Kelly, I think I need to replace that machine with something big and bad, you know, and expensive." And she goes, "I knew it, I knew it." <laughs> and so I went back to the studio, and I found out that it was just a. All right, for lack of a better word, it was a setting that I had turned on that was taxing the CPU and the GPU, and it was causing dropouts and whatever. Turn that off, boom, no problem. So I texted her, congratulations, I do not have to spend $10,000 on a new machine. <laughs> Tears of joy. Yeah. So Richard. Yeah, buddy. Your 49-inch monitor, was that what it was, 49-inch? No, I've the, uh, the 49 is the ultra-wide, the 3840 by 1080. I do not have one of those. I do. I have a 34 for the streaming machine. And then I, with a, with a couple extra monitors attached to it, including a, a teleprompter. And then, but the work machine, the quiet machine that ha, that I do like writing on in studio and stuff like that is a 43 inch 4K at, 100, at 100 DPI. And you don't spread out Visual Studio to the whole screen, right? Because you don't no. have to. Because it's just, they, no, I originally I got that monitor and thought I'll add wing monitors later because it was replacing mm -hmm. a triple. Okay. But I kept waiting to need a wing, and mm -hmm. I just haven't needed one. It's a it's four 1080p screens for crying out loud! Like it's enough. So what I'm wondering is, uh, if you if you try to play around with with layouts, mm -hmm. window the tool windows that you start moving things over 
and widening Visual Studio. So Test Explorer always, for me, because I'm, I'm I just have my laptop. It always takes up the same space as my yeah. arrow list and mm-hmm. output window. Mm-hmm. But if I can move those over to the side, then I can now see everything, and you can you can create more of a, like a dashboard for yourself. Yeah, and I'm very sensitive to the vertical space right? The more lines of code. And I think with this display at this density, I'm now wide enough that I don't write code lines that go by, go beyond that space very often. It's that's still relatively rare and it's long. And I get enough lines of code by getting rid of the lower, the lower things that if I can't fit it in the screen, it's too long. Stop. Right. Right? (laughs) Just that. And it's interesting. Like I didn't ever expect it to get to that point. I always thought I was going to need more screen space and I always thought I was going to need more vertical resolution, but 2160 at a hundred DPI is enough lines of code. Well, okay. So I have the 49 inch and I don't put visual studio across the whole thing. I take mm-hmm. up maybe, uh, the middle two thirds. I don't know if you want to call it that maybe, maybe, maybe the middle half, if you want to call it that with a quarter on each side. And I use the sides on the other on either side of it for other windows like email and whatever. But I can't if it's too wide. Most of the time I'm like looking over to the left. So yeah, I like I like even when I'm editing video and stuff, I don't take up the whole screen. I like hmm. it just 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 wide enough so I don't have to. Yeah. And again, you know, my chiropractor is a big help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm just curious because with the you know visual studio has the vertical tabs now and it has yeah. ways that you can makes it easier to make visual studio wider yeah. and you then yeah. regain some some vertical uh real estate back for, for your code right mm. and so i'm wondering those really wide ones if there's uh if there's a real big productivity gain in widening your your layout basically but I'll I'll find out soon enough. Yeah, I think mm. once you can see the whole code window with sufficient decoration on the edges, like it's not like there isn't stuff on the other sides, right? But they tend mm-hmm. to be reference materials, right? I have a browser window open for something, or you know, yeah. And I don't, and I don't think you like it. I don't stack windows, right? Stacking windows bad. Yeah, they, I want them more or less side by side, and so. Uh, you know, there's enough space in there to be able to have those various windows open that I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice to have all that space when you're letting uh, the AI engine just write your whole line for you, right? Just yeah. mm-hmm. program with tab as we do these days. Yes. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm looking at some of the, the cool stuff that just came out and um, yeah. man, it's impressive. Like it just writes your whole method for you, right? Yep. <laughs> and even without the GitHub uh, co-pilot, have you tried that? Yeah, do mm-hmm. a little co-pilot. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No. That that and so uh, an IntelliCode, which mm. is the Visual Studio one, like they're they're kind of becoming the same thing, or they always kind of were similar. They yeah. were always like a collaborative effort, and it's just it's just really really fun to play with. I had a I had a big aha moment like the other day. I was going to add a unit test, so I have this Markdown editor extension, and uh, and I was going to write a unit test, which I don't normally do, mm-hmm. to be fair. But I for this particular extension, I did have a few, and so I'm going to add one. And so I write like public void, and then the method name was validate URL, close parens, and then I'm opening the curlies, right? And then I hit enter, and the entire test method was written for me. Wow. So it was able to read what my other test in the same in the file was doing, 
how it was testing things. It knew how to construct a, a markdown URL. This is for a mark, markdown mm. uh, test, right? So all the, sl the escaping slashes. The whole thing. Wow. It, it blew my mind. And it was exactly what I want. I think I added one more assert. So the way to think of it is like it's the first scaffold and then you yeah. modify. But it was exactly what I wanted. I just added one more assertion to, to that and done. Wow. A absolutely insane. But it also speaks to like just you don't, why wouldn't you write tests when they're basically writing themselves? <laughs> yeah, so that's true. Speaking of Markdown, as soon as Microsoft bought GitHub, I thought to myself, oh, yippee, Visual Studio will understand Markdown now. It's coming. Because readme files. No. Not yet. You don't think, you don't think it's coming? Well, uh, uh, no, no, it's not there, right? And how long oh, has it yeah. been? And you had to write an extension in order to. But so that brings up an interesting question, which is, how often does the Visual Studio team come to you and say, you know that extension you wrote? Yeah, we want to just put that in the box. Is that okay with you? Uh, it happens sometimes, but uh, but it's, that's usually never how it happens because we don't bring in extensions. Uh, that's such a rare occasion. We used to do it more, mm -hmm. third-party extensions. No, but what if, it, but what if the to... functionality was just part of Studio rather than having to put an extension in? Right. So what could happen if it's if it's my code, then it's like legally fine to just take it. It's not like something that has to be vetted by right. lawyers and stuff and, and whatnot, right? And so in that case, they, they can use it uh, for inspiration. But you have to think about it. You know, the way I think about it is I'm not an engineer <laughs> by, you know, I, that's not how I make money. Mm -hmm. I don't do that on, you know. Yeah. Whereas the engineers we have on the Visual Studio team, they are. Yeah. And so their code and my code does not look the same. Right. But so they take inspiration for my code and sometimes they might copy paste some stuff. But if you look at it, it's, it usually looks different. They have completely different quality gates that they do, right? Right. And they have different requirements for testing. I typically don't test my code. Hmm. Uh, I test in production. Right. And Well, and they're um, also dealing with the multicultural stuff. Like the huge yep. diversity, this has to work in Japanese. Mm -hmm. This has yep. to work in Arabic like that. You know, exactly. I've talked to folks that have contracted in, into the engineering team to write code. It's like some of the toughest code they've written in their lives mm -hmm. because uh -huh. the bar is so insanely high Yeah, uh, for that. So I have, like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm now looking at your list of, of uh, um, extensions sorted by download numbers. And I got to think if I'm a PM and saying, hey, look, that markdown editor has been downloaded 600,000 thousand times mm. isn't that a clear indicator and it, that doesn't make that makes it in the top 10 um isn't that a clear indicator that people want a markdown editor in studio yeah but that that one was a, that's an, an interesting case so it's coming we're building it in now good, finally good um so markdown is coming right we don't know uh, so there's no horizon there's no i can't tell you what the sure. time frame is because i don't know it and we don't know exactly what the feature set is going to be but it's no. probably going to be close to what you see in in my extension so and, so, and they yeah. probably didn't use your code. The question mm -hmm. is, did they use that download number as a, is that the PM justifying the need for the feature? Like that just seems like an interesting answer. Only so many people pay attention uh -huh. to the extension library. Only yes. so many people pay attention to you. Like, right. And still 600,000 downloads. Yeah. So this this one was a curious case because uh, typically how, how Visual Studio, the org is, is organized is that you, we have the Visual Studio team itself. This mm -hmm. is the core team. They write the editors. They write the solution explorer and basic things, the output window, the error list. But then you have all the teams around it, like the .NET team. They write all the tooling for ASP.NET mm -hmm. and .NET and WinForms and WPF and MAUI. You have the C++ team. They do all of the C++ stuff and so on and so forth. Yeah. 
so the thing about when something comes in that is uh, marked down is like who who should build this? Who who would be the rightful owner for something like this? Right. Usually, how features are created is because one of the teams have a need for the feature because their customers are asking for it, right. or they need it for some strategic purpose or whatever. And so they would they would create it, they would own it, they would maintain it over time. But for Markdown, that never happened. Mm. Like there was not a team that had like, hey, we need to have Markdown because otherwise this scenario won't work mm. that I care a lot about. And so we saw this with JSON back in 2013. JSON already back then was the de facto data transfer sure. format. And also configuration format back then. And, and Visual Studio did not have anything to do. And, and we were able to find, I was on the web team at the time, and we were doing Project K. Remember Project K? That back was what is now .NET Core. But yeah. it was called Project K when we, when we did the prototyping and all this sort of stuff on the very, very early days before anyone knew what we were doing. And it was based, instead of on MS Build, it was based on this thing called Project.json. And so all of a sudden, we had sort of a reason to really need good JSON tooling. And then we took upon us to create the web team to create and maintain the JSON editor that ships with Visual Studio today, has been there since, since 2015 or 2013, whenever it was. Uh, and so Markdown is is now getting that same treatment. So sometimes it just takes a long time. It's a little bit mm -hmm. sort of the way we're organized. Um some things they they slide through the cracks and uh, and this is one of those examples. But that's so fantastic. Then we then have uh, extensions to to close those gaps until we kind of get to to things right. And right. so we are getting to it now, and I'm very very happy about that. That's great. Yeah, we we are also speaking to that sort of somebody has to pay those people to build that thing. Mm. So who sees yes. the value proposition and it's sufficient that it's worth paying yes. the folks to work on it and then ultimately to own it to maintain it to mm. pss like all of the you think about the life cycle cost of a feature inside a studio like that's what you're sort of running into yeah yes so, that's a, you're yeah. exactly that's spot on spot on yeah. it's a great way to and test the market yeah but and, i think the extensions certainly speak to that angle but then it, but you never it's not obvious who would build it there's a right. bunch of different teams and, and groups within in, within the visual studio team that might build anything for whatever so, case. So it, it, it raises, so when once there is an extension that closes that gap, it raises an interesting conundrum, which is why should we build something into Visual Studio that's yeah. available for free that's already? Solved. Mm -hmm. That's yes, a solved, a solved problem, problem. Right. Yeah. So, and as here's a hundred other features I could be building. Yes. Right. So it, it's got to get to a point where it's like, it's act, it actually is more cost effective to include this in the box than to leave it as an extension. And, uh, but as Carl is saying, discoverability, yeah. that's exactly the, that's the, the problem. Yeah. And so we could write in documentation, hey, go get this extension. But, you know, who reads docs these days, right? Do you, I uh, wonder if they actually the count the number of tech support requests for for Markdown and say the cost of answering this question is more than the cost of building it. In I the got box. it. I have the answer. <laughs> I have the answer. So when you ask uh, Cortana for the current weather, she can give you the weather and then she say... By the way, you can go get this Visual Studio extension because I noticed that you really suck and win when it comes to pfft, whatever. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Does Cortana, can you ask Cortana anything these days? I just haven't heard from Cortana lately. <laughs> I don't know. I have two other uh, virtual females in my life that I have to deal with. Quite enough. That's enough. So... But it's an interesting point with the discoverability, right? Because, mm -hmm. um, or like maybe more, 
yeah, discoverability. People people don't seek out, hey, how how do I do Markdown better in Visual Studio? Right. Because it's yeah. no more than a paper cut. Like, right. what is the consequence of not having a full blown Markdown preview experience? I'll tell you what it is. You have to go buy a third party tool. I mean, I use Typeora, and it was free for a while because it was beta or whatever alpha, and now it's not. Right, but for a lot of people, they just they just maintain a README file. They don't need the preview. Yeah, yeah. Or if they do, there's they use VS Code or they got another tool like what mm. you were saying. Or right? the extension. And, um, so it just it, or they have an extension. So it, mm. it's 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 the type of problem that is not a critical problem. So we don't get that much feedback, like saying, "Hey, we really need that Markdown editor." If you go find it on developercommunity.visualstudio.com, yeah, that's where you can request features. Right, right. You're, you're going to see that it's not like you would think it has like hundreds, if not thousands, of requests, and for some odd reason, it doesn't. It's not bizarre. The one that, that levels up. Uh huh. It's just one of those things. Like all the things happened with this t- feature that made it kind of fall through the cracks. Here's a question: In the last year, as you're developing new extensions. There has to have been one, at least one, where when it was done, you were like, well, that's just a whole pile of awesome. How could I have lived without that? Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I got a few that uh, that I always install. I wouldn't. I don't know if it's any of my latest ones. Now I have to look up what I did lately. Um, <laughs> but it's... Um, it's stuff like um, someone was mentioning, Richard, you were you were reading the comments in the very beginning from yeah. the last episode. And um, the one that's called add new file. Mm-hmm. That's the one that to me is like the one that I just I just cannot live without it. Right. Uh, file new add what I you can right click and say new item. I don't understand what add new file does. Why do we need an extension for add new yeah. file, Matt? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's very counterintuitive, but it's also one that has. That version of it has 500,000 downloads and then what there's the version for 2022, blah, blah. So very popular. But the idea is is very, very simple. Like if you want to add a new file to your project, like this is going to, when I describe it, it sounds stupid, mm. right? But let's say you, you, want to, you want to add a new interface okay. to your C, like a C-sharp interface yep. to your project. You might go right-click your folder and say add new item or hit Control-Shift-A if you remember yep. that keyboard shortcut, which no A. one does. Uh, and then you can find the interface mm-hmm. item template and you give it a name and you click enter. Oh, yeah. So that's that, that's a lot of ceremony for giving you a text file Especially. with yeah. with like 100 characters in it. Yep, you're right. right. So, so what this extension does is that no matter where I am, if I'm on a document or if I'm Solution Explorer is active, I can just hit shift F2 and then I just type ifoo.cs. Right. And be, it, it knows it starts with an I and the next letter is also capital. Ergo, it's a interface. interface. Yeah. So it gives me the interface template. So it creates the file right there. Boom. And it's it's so fast that it's like, it's ridiculous. There's no delay. You know what? You've convinced me because I hate having to go sort my file just because I want a JSON file, okay? I don't want to have to select <laughs> JSON from a list. And yes. before I select it from the list, I have to select the category of file uh-huh. that it's in. You're totally yes. right. I should just be able to type, you know... Because you can do that in the file system. What if you want to have two files? Why not just like write foo.cs, comma, bar.cs, and then you now you have two files. So this one also does that. Love it. Or if you want to create a folder, just end your name with a forward or a backslash, and it creates a folder. Right. Or you can do like folder, backslash, foo.cs, and it creates foo.cs in that new folder that you just specified. And if that folder already exists, just stick it in there. And if it doesn't exist, make it. You just saved me hours per year. 
Seriously, that's 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 good. Well, and that's what Aaron said. Like, first thing is add new by Mads is essential. So, All right, yeah. I, I'm gonna go get it. I, so, I, and- I pulled, I added the link to the Visual Studio feedback page, and it's great to just look at this and see. I wanted to see where Markdown was, and it's way down there. Uh, but it's just the number of things that are flagged as completed and pre and in preview, color coded tabs, vertical tabs. You know, uh, showing the active document in the document well. Um, mm. uh, this X X sixty four sorting and grouping tabs, and and of course the number one that's still new is Visual Studio for Linux. Yes, because that'd be easy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you if you search for the one if you filter on the ones that have been where you see the feature requests that have been closed, you'll see that we've recently done some some. Very high uh, profile ones, some with a lot of votes. And it's always the ones that you don't expect. Like uh, vertical taps was one of the highest voted for, fe- like the number one voted for feature. Vertical right. taps of everything you can want. That was the one that got the most votes, like over a thousand, right? And and one that came close to it that we just implemented is the uh, color-coded tabs and yeah. the multi multiple rows of tabs and stuff. So... um. So you can always see all the tabs because they just they just go to different rows if you have it on top. Um, and and like these, it's the customizations. It's always the customizations. You would think it has to do with something critical for writing C sharp applications or C plus plus or something, right? Nope. It's always the how can I make Visual Studio feel more like my home? How can yeah. I make it bend to my will? But it also and, to me seems like, and I can find the thing I'm looking for the way I want to find. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that is some chunk of code or that some particular feature like uh, or being able to keep my windows open the way I want to keep them like it's all it is all about that customization piece. When you look at this list, I totally agree with you. Color coded tabs over a thousand vertical tabs, close, you know, almost there, too. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's that. And 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 even in this top 10, how many of them are ways to look at studio? Ways to yes. look at your code. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to give a little tip here. If you go to the Visual Studio Marketplace, search for add new file, you're going to get the 32-bit version, which will not work in 64-bit. And the very first line of the overview says, for Visual Studio 2022 support, install add new file 64-bit. There you go. Okay. So different one. Because I, I clicked on the first one, of course, not reading anything. I clicked the big download button. And uh, yeah, so as you do, so you'll need to read a little bit to get the right version. But anyway, it's installed. Awesome. Thank you very much. What's new? F- what's next for you, Mads? What's in your inbox? Ah, uh, man. You know, that's a good question. I, 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 I don't think I can not be an extender. So I'm gonna keep uh, keep doing that. So what I've been working on since I was on the, your show last was a new, a, a better way to write extensions. Mm-hmm. So writing extensions can be hard, can be difficult. It's, you know, it's just, you've tried it, I'm sure, and, and like rage quit at some point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what I've been doing is, is something with the community. Mm. So we now have a GitHub organization called V6. V6 is short for Visual Studio Extensibility, yes, V6. Yeah. So we have the Visual Studio, organi- sorry, the GitHub organization called V6 Community. And up there, we got a bunch of stuff. We got an extension pack with like 10 different extensions that makes it easier to write extensions. Hmm. So they're and like also, the north winds for extensions. Start here. Well, no, no, no. It's not like, well, 
So it does come with start with templates that gets you off the ground faster, but it has a bunch of helpers that makes it just just tooling oh, around writing mm-hmm. extensions. And um, and so if anyone wants to try to write an extension, I recommend go get the extension called Extensibility Essentials. Cool. Which is an extension pack that installs everything you need. And very uh, famous name too, right? And yes, I have a thing for the word essentials, I guess. Yeah. And. Uh, but but the, it's all documented very well, which was one of the major problems with the you know Visual Studio extensibility. Mm-hmm. So, I created this website called v6cookbook.com. Okay, nice. And it basically takes you through the entire thing: how to install that extension I was just talking about, how to create the new project. It has both a lot of video in there. It has a lot of screenshots and code samples and everything. And it has walkthroughs. It has recipes. It has getting started content. It has tips and tricks to do different things. And it uses a, a NuGet package. Instead of using the Visual Studio SDK, it uses a new NuGet package that is developed by the community. Wow, nice. Um, that kind of makes the API look sane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wrapper on top of the Visual Studio SDK. So if you're still using the Visual Studio SDK. You just do it in a way that you know doesn't make you angry. Yeah. And everything is async. Everything is very modern. .NET, C Sharp 10e. Love it. Uh, right. Yeah, very, new very, syntax, very new wonderful. approaches. Yeah, much shorter. Like ceremony is gone from yeah. from most things. That. Everything is just so easy. Everything is hanged. So there's a root object. So, Carl, you know, in Visual Basic, you got the or VB, you got the my keyword. It's been a long time, mm-hmm. but yeah, I remember that. Oh, you're not doing VB anymore. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you had the my keyword, right. which was kind of shortcuts to the v- Visual Basic API. Right. So my dot, and then you could see everything hanging up. You can use IntelliSense to go through and, and figure out the APIs. Right. So we've done a similar thing. So if you do VS dot, you get presented in IntelliSense with all the different areas of Visual Studio that you can extend. Wow. The status bar, the documents, solutions, oh, projects, cool. files, all this sort of stuff. So it's very, very easy to kind of dot your way through the API. I that love way. it. Wow, good stuff. So, Man, this hour has flown by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all good stuff. All good stuff. I got a ton of links. Yeah. All right, Mads. Well, thanks again. And thanks for uh, hanging out with us on Bullhorn, everybody. And for those who weren't here, you're missing out. Go to uh, bullhorn.fm slash D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S. That's bullhorn.fm slash .net rocks. And um, find out when we're going to be next live. Yeah, click on the follow button and you'll get notified whenever we go live on board. That's right. And Mads, thanks again. It's been great. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. We'll see you next time on .net rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a
summer. 